Welcome back to another Sound Truth interview. I'm your host, Adam Miller, and today I'm joined by my good friend Todd Nettleton from Voice of the Martyrs. His ministry, the ministry of Voice of the Martyrs that has been across the globe, reaching and helping people who are suffering persecution, and also informing us on how to better pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ in chains. Their website, persecution.org, is is great with resources that will help guide our prayer lives. And, And right now, we're letting everyone know that there is a great event coming up November 7th and the launch of all of November, an International Day of Prayer to pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. It's always helpful to have Todd with us to keep us informed on how to pray and also instruct us on what those prayers ought to be focused on. So, Todd, thank you so much for being a part of the many voices for that one message. Well, it is my pleasure, Adam. I always enjoy our conversations, and uh, especially as we're coming up on the International Day of Prayer for Persecuted Christians, you know, their number one request of us is pray. Uh, And so this day is so significant to the body of Christ around the world. It's so obviously very significant to us here at VOM, uh, but they they know about this day. Christians in hostile and restricted nations, they know about the International Day of Prayer. They know that people are gonna be lifting them up. Uh, and so anything I could do, and, I, and I, I just appreciate you guys giving me a platform to say, hey, this is a big deal, we need to pray. Well, let's start there because it's coming up November 7th. It's a Sunday, and we're encouraging churches all across the United States, all across the world, to make this day a day of prayer for the persecuted church. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that and how it's formatted. Well, the, the day is really, as I say, it's a response to what they ask us to do. Pray. Pray for us. And we hope every single church is going to do something. Now, you know, we know we hear from churches who devote the entire day to it. We've heard from churches who, you know, they will have their own version of an underground church service. They'll, you know, meet in the basement that week or they'll, you know, send out a secret knock that you have to have to get in the door or something to kind of really dramatize what it's like to go to church in a hostile or restricted nation. Some churches will just make it a part of their normal prayer time, which is fine. The important thing is every church is going to say, hey, our brothers and sisters are suffering right now in prison in China, in prison in Iran, in prison in Eritrea, being beaten in India. We're going to take some time right now to pray for them. And you know, some will will hear from some pastors or church leaders who say, wow, you know, I know I was supposed to do that on the first Sunday in November, but I've already scheduled my sermons out. And it's like, okay, pick the second Sunday, uh, pick the last Sunday in October. Just pick a Sunday when you say, we're going to join hands with the body of Christ around the world today, and we're going to pray. And your website, uh, persecution.org, gives a lot of really great resources, videos, and all that. Persecution.com. Persecu- Sorry, let me oh, correct you, know, you on that. I'm, I'm glad you corrected me there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, persecution.com. It gives a lot of really great resources on how to do that, including some videos, some uh, bulletin inserts, all those things to help kind of guide this process to give the churches the resources they need to, to make this International Day of Prayer a, a priority. It, it absolutely makes these tools available, and many of them are free and also digital. So, you know, it's it's Saturday night, and you're thinking, oh, it's tomorrow. What are we going to do? Okay, go on the website, 
download some of these tools that are digitally available and use them. And you mentioned the video. I want to particularly mention the video. The video is less than five minutes long. It is great for showing in a morning worship service. It's great for showing in a Bible study group, even in your own family devotion time. It's a great video. And what it does is it it puts a face on the people that we're praying for. In this case, it's a chapter from the story of our founders here at Voice of the Martyrs, Richard and Sabina Wormbrand, but it shows them making the choice. We could leave our country. We could go find someplace safer. We could go find someplace where they're not going to beat us. They're not going to lock us in prison, or we can stay here. God has called us here. God has placed us here, but it is going to be costly. And, and it shows them, and it's again, it's a very short film, but it shows them having that conversation of, hey, what, you know, maybe we should think about leaving. We should go someplace safe. And them making the decision, nope, this is where God has placed us. The Bible says, he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Uh, and they make that decision to say, hey, we're going to stay. There are Christians making that exact same decision right now in Iran, in China, in Eritrea, in Afghanistan, and they're having, literally husbands and wives are having that identical conversation. We should go to the West. We should get out of here. We should go someplace safe. Wait a minute. Has, is God calling us to stay? Has God placed us here? That conversation, this one is from the Wormbrand's lives in, in the 40s and 50s, but it is happening today still in many countries around the world. Hmm. And of course, the website for that, all of that information is persecution.com. I've been corrected, not persecution.org. And uh, that's not just the only thing that you're going to find on the website. So many other great resources, uh, a way to sign up for the, the newsletter and the, all the free resources that can encourage the church throughout the year on how to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world suffering in chains and also to stay updated because that is constantly changing. There's so many things that we need to be informed on. Uh, but you also have, mentioning the video, you have a, a video that's going to theaters coming up here in November too, right after the International Day of Prayer. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, this is this is a big deal to us. And the, the video for the IDOP is actually a little sliver taken out of uh, the bigger video. The video is called Sabina tortured for Christ, the Nazi years. Many of our listeners will remember just a few years ago, we did a film called Tortured for Christ that told the story of Pastor Richard Wormbrand, the founder of The Voice of the Martyrs, being imprisoned in Romania under the communists. This video, there, this film, which will come out immediately after the International Day of Prayer. So the International Day of Prayer is Sunday, November the 7th. This film, Sabina, is in theaters November 8th, November 9th, November 10th. So for three days immediately after the International Day of Prayer. And it's it's a prequel to the first movie. So it really, it starts with Richard and Sabina as as lost people, really hedonists. They, they were out to have pleasure. They were out to get rich. Uh, they were just kind of pursuing the good life. And in the midst of that, they met Jesus and really had a dramatic transformation to the point that now they're willing to risk their lives uh, to keep doing the gospel work, to stay in their country. And so it it shows that transformation, and uh, particularly through the eyes of Sabina. Sabina was born into a Jewish family, uh, and when Richard became a Christian, she was just like, I don't want you to ever mention the name of Christ to me again. Like, I, this is the worst news that you could have ever brought me. And then 
the film shows the transformation in her heart to being a follower of Christ herself and then sheltering Nazi soldiers who were fleeing the communists when the communists kicked the Nazis out of Romania. So the Nazi soldiers, the Nazis had exterminated Sabina's entire family, and yet she is is hiding their soldiers, protecting them. So it really shows how God just completely transformed Richard and Sabina from these pleasure-seeking hedonists into sacrificial servants of Christ. Mm. I think that's a great way to kind of segue into the ministry of Voice of the Martyrs as a whole, uh, what it does and what it exists for, as you talk about the founders and what their mission was, because uh, many of our listeners are familiar because we have you on so often on the broadcast, but many might not know about what Voice of the Martyrs was designed to do and why it's so needed even all of these years later. Well, Richard and Sabina were persecuted Christians. Richard ended up spending 14 years in prison under the communists in Romania. Sabina was in prison for three years. Uh, Sabina was actually told they they sent someone to her house and said, uh, I was a fellow prisoner with your husband. I watched as he died in prison. I helped to bury his body. And Sabina never felt released from that. She never felt like that was true. The, the Lord kind of just somehow in her heart said, nope, hang on. I'm not done with Richard and I'm not done with you. And eventually Richard was released. They were ransomed out of Romania to come to the West. And and Richard began to tell the stories and the stories of his own time in prison, but also the fact that, hey, there are still pastors in those prisons. There are still Christians in those prisons. And People like you and me, like the people who are listening right now, we hear a story like that and we're like, okay, well, what do we do? How do we help that pastor? And that really was how the Voice of the Martyrs was founded, was how how do we help those pastors? What can we do? And people gave. uh, Voice of the Martyrs does projects to deliver Bibles, to help the families of imprisoned Christians, uh, to help equip pastors and evangelists and frontline workers in hostile and restricted nations. And that work has now been going for more than 50 years, but it it still reflects exactly the vision that Richard had. And, and Richard began to get that vision actually while he was in solitary confinement, while he was wondering, hey, I wonder how my family is. Uh, wouldn't it be great if there was a ministry that would look after my family while I was in prison? Yeah, that would be great, wouldn't it? That's really the the roots of the Voice of the Martyrs ministry. Mm. And you've been working with Voice of the Martyrs for a couple decades now, and as a result, uh, you have your own stories to tell, and you put them together in an amazing book. We talked with you recently about that, When Faith is Forbidden. Uh, but those stories keep on developing, don't they? That, I mean, there's a lot in there that uh, could encourage the church or the faith of so many, but those stories continue to to progress throughout the, the time that you travel. You're still traveling. They are still being written. They are still being told. And uh, one of the stories that I tell in the book is uh, it's day 10. If, if you have a copy of the book, it's day 10. Uh, it's a trip I took way back in 2004. So we're almost 20 years ago now. Uh, just a few months after a pastor named Sergei Besarab was shot and killed in Tajikistan. And I actually went to the village where he had planted the churches, a city called Isfra. Uh, when Sergei Besarab got there, there were 126 mosques, but there was no churches. And he said, you know what? God's calling me. I'm going to plant a church here. And the the local Muslim population was not happy about that. Uh, the 
person who shot and killed Sergei was the son of a mosque leader in that city of Isfara. And the last thing I say in, in telling the story in the book, When Faith is Forbidden, uh, I quote uh, a friend of Pastor Sergei's who says, one day we're going to meet the person who killed Pastor Sergei because we have a prison ministry all over Tajikistan and we will be ready to tell him about Jesus. So that was in 2004 that I heard those words. I met Pastor Sergei's widow. I met his friends. I, I, I went to the church where he was shot and killed. Now we're, you know, 2021. We're almost 20 years down the road. Two of my coworkers were just recently in Central Asia. In fact, they went to Tajikistan and they met again with Pastor Sergei's widow, who Voice of the Martyrs has been walking with all through the last 18 years of her grief and her loss and her continuing in ministry. Pastor Sergei's widow told them this story, that the man who killed Pastor Sergei was in fact arrested. He was found guilty. He was sent to prison. And just as Sergei's friend promised, they have a prison ministry all over the country in basically every prison. Well, in, in God's amazing providence, this young man who shot and killed the pastor was sent to a cell where his cellmate was a Christian man who had been led to faith by Pastor Sergei, the, the man that he had shot and killed. And so they shared a cell together, and this man, Pastor Sergei's spiritual son, was able to lead his killer to become a follower of Jesus Christ, to repent of his sin, to leave Islam behind and become a follower of Jesus Christ. And so those words that I heard in 2004 have become a, a prophetic word that God has fulfilled in Tajikistan. And I, I think about it, and I, I just recently had to write up a, a version of this story for our magazine. It's going to come out early next year. And I thought about it as I was writing this, you know, someday in heaven, Pastor Sergei is going to stand shoulder to shoulder with the men who killed him. Mm. And they're both going to be singing praises to Christ standing in front of his throne because this young man got to share a cell with a Christian and God, God's plan, Pastor Sergei's legacy has carried on now again into this young man's life. And, you know, what an amazing, and, and when I heard those words in 2004, I, I am almost certain that what I was thinking is, yeah, I'm sure that'll happen. You know, like, okay, yeah, that's a great story. I, I hope, you know, I, don't, I didn't, I wouldn't have had the faith to say, absolutely, that's going to happen. And yet here we are 18 years later, it has happened. Mm. The stories that uh, that come from your magazine and from your website and your your, your, your radio broadcast, all of these stories are so refreshing and reminding of us of the faith of those who are on the front lines and are suffering and persecution. It also has some, some great tragedy. And ever since the foundation of Voice of the Martyrs, uh, Richard and Sabina, the, the stories have always shocked. It's, it's, it's opened up uh, the Western world to what's really happening around the world. It, it's easy for us to kind of close our eyes to that and not see it. But the perspective, when you gain that perspective that these trials are still happening, and not just in Nazi Germany, but even now, these sort of persecutions are taking place around the world. They absolutely are. And as you say, the the telling of stories is really, a, it's another legacy directly from the Wormbrands. In mm -hmm. fact, <laughs> Pastor Wormbrand, one, one of the ways that he sort of got on the radar here in the United States is 
Uh, this was in the early 70s, late 60s. It was the time of the Vietnam War, and Pastor Wormbrand happened to pass by uh, an anti-war protest. And what he interpreted that they were basically saying is, is we ought to leave the communists alone. The communists are good people. Let's get out of Vietnam and, and leave them. Well, Pastor Wormbrand was <laughs> rather incensed by that message, and he asked to go on stage and speak to the people. And then they're like, you know, we don't know exactly who this old man is, but sure, go ahead. To, you know, and and Pastor Wormbrand said, I have a doctorate in communism. And they're like, oh, wow, you know, this we really want to listen to this guy. And then he took off his shirt and he showed them the scars of the torture that he had endured in communist prisons. And he said, see, this is my doctorate right here. These these scars are my education. Let me tell you, let me tell you about communism. And, you know, everyone is paying attention. The news media was there to cover the protest. Suddenly, Pastor Wormbrand is like, wait a minute, we want to interview that guy. We need to hear that story. And so it was really a part of his sort of getting on the radar was simply telling the story, his own story, the stories of the people still there. That is still the, the modus operandi of Voice of the Martyrs is we want to tell you the stories of persecuted Christians. And like you say, we do it in the magazine. We do it on the radio. Uh, I did it in my book as much as I could. And and that is what we want to do is just tell these stories because a couple of things happen. We understand that that family relationship. We understand these are not you know, just people who live 10,000 miles from here. These are our family members. These are our brothers and our sisters. That's a great spiritual you know, result of these stories. But the other thing that happens is our own faith is challenged because I think every time we hear a story like that, the natural question is, okay, what would I do? If they were pointing the gun at me and said, are you a Christian or a Muslim? And I knew saying I'm a Christian is going to get me shot. What would I do? What would I say? How would I answer that question? And that is a great self-reflection question, because I think all of us would say, yeah, I know I know what the right answer is. I know what I want to say I would do. But boy, when the gun is pointing at you, that's hard. Lord, help me to be strong. Help me to have the kind of boldness and the kind of faithfulness that I can say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and I don't care what you do or what you say about it. I'm going to follow what Jesus has called me to do. That's the, the result of the stories of faithfulness sort of seeping down into our own consciousness and into our own hearts and building up that faithfulness in us as well. Hmm. One of the things that we try to do whenever we talk with you is emphasize to our listeners that whenever they're, they're, they're getting information from around the world, they're, they're watching the news, they're getting this information about what's happening in global politics, uh, this is really a call to prayer. But it's also a call for people to, uh, to get the, the other side of the story, because we're only going to get one side of the story from the mainstream media. And that's what Voice of the Martyrs is doing, is giving us some perspective on uh, boots on the ground, real people who are really dealing with the, the real conflicts around the world, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering in chains. Obviously, the, the theme that is probably on most people's minds is what's happening in Afghanistan, major subject in the news. But what's really taking place with believers on the ground? One of the amazing things is that Afghan Christians are choosing to stay there. Uh, and, you know, they know all about the Taliban. They know what the Taliban thinks about Christians. They know what the Taliban thinks about people born in a Muslim family who are now following Jesus Christ. And yet they have made that choice. 
God has placed us here. We're going to stay here. And the other thing that I think is really important for people to understand is it has always been difficult to be a Christian in Afghanistan. The, the first line of persecution there is not the Taliban or whoever runs the government. The first line of persecution is the people in your own household, the people in your own family who say, wait a minute, we're a Muslim family. You, you can't be a follower of Jesus Christ. That, that brings shame on us. You can't do that. And so oftentimes Christians have been beaten or even killed by their own family, by their dad, by their big brother, someone who wants to protect the honor of that family. And so that that level of persecution or, or that sort of dynamic, that didn't change when the Americans were in charge after the Taliban, and it hasn't changed now that the Taliban's in charge again. Uh, it That's reality for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. So I think that's an important dynamic for people to understand it it wasn't easy on august 30th and then on september 1st it got really hard when all the americans left no it's always been hard it's always been dangerous it's always been difficult and so that makes it even more admirable and incredible that our christian brothers and sisters who many of them had the chance to leave they said no we're going to stay here we're going to continue to serve the lord so there is pressure being brought to bear. We've heard stories of the Taliban checking people's phones. Hey, do you have a Bible app on your phone? Do you have the scriptures on your phone? If you do, that's going to cause problems for you. Um, we have heard specifically of them looking for Christian. What One of my contacts, a, a man named John Weaver, who lived in Afghanistan for a long time, he's been on Voice of the Martyrs Radio several times. He calls them first-generation Christians, and they were Afghan people who maybe worked with a Western organization. They were known to be Christians. Many of them were, were looked for, and many of them did leave. They said, hey, you know, we're going to be killed immediately. We've got to get out of here. But then John talked about what he called second and third and fourth generation Christians, the Afghan people who knew those Afghan Christians, but maybe didn't have any contact with Westerners or with Western organizations. They were not known publicly to be Christians. And so those are many of the people who said, you know what, we're going to stay here. The Taliban doesn't know we're following Christ. We're not going to advertise it, but we're also not going to deny it. Now, we're going to stay here and continue to serve the Lord. And so many of them have tried to lay low. They've sometimes moved, you know, stayed with friends for a while or even gone to a big city where they could kind of blend in a little more. Uh, but they have made that decision. We're going to stay, and uh, Voice of the Martyrs is committed to standing with them and helping to grow the Afghan church, even though we know there is going to be persecution. Hmm. It was so shocking for all of us to watch the news and see all the things that were happening, a lot of uh, horrible stories and a lot of uh, narratives that were very uh, scary, especially to see that that's still happening in the world around us. A lot of misinformation out there as well, and I'm so grateful for Voice of the Martyrs because you are such a credible and trusted resource to make sure that your your voices and your, your stories are vetted and, and true, and so grateful for that. But they still paint a very scary picture of what's happening in the Middle East. And yet, uh, I love how you just finished that. The, the point is that the gospel is going to continue to spread despite the persecution, uh, despite all of the, the conflicts, the church is going to continue to grow, and, and you can be in support of that through various ministries that you have. And, and the other thing, let me chime in there, because one of the things that I believe God is going to do is he's actually going to use the Taliban mm -hmm. 
to grow the church. Because you, the thing you have to remember is the Taliban says, we are the best Muslims. We are the ones who have figured Islam out and we're doing it the right way. And so for the Afghan people who are being oppressed by them, who maybe had their son conscripted into their military or had their daughter taken away to be somebody's forced bride, they're looking at that and saying, well, if that's what it means to be a good Muslim, I'm not interested in that. I don't want to be a good Muslim if I have to be like you. And so we know that God is going to use this to plant seeds of the gospel and to make Muslims curious about, okay, if, if that's what it means to be a good Muslim, what are the other options? You know, what else could I be? Because I don't want to be that. Mm. Oh, then the gospel finds very fertile soil and people say, oh, wait a minute. Jesus loved his enemies. Wait a minute. Jesus laid down his life as a sacrifice for me. He didn't kill someone else. He offered himself up to die. That is very different from what I see in the Taliban. That is very different from what I see in Islam. Tell me more about that Jesus guy. That's how the gospel is going to spread, even under the Taliban in Afghanistan. And that's really the point I was getting to, is the the value of these Christians who understand that even facing persecution, the gospel goes forward. Their faith, their confidence in God and the message of the gospel is is something that we in the Western world, we really need to hear those stories. We need that invigoration of our faith because there's a lot of questions now whether or not the gospel is going to make any inroads in our own Western cultures where post-Christian cultures are really on the rise. We need these stories to infuse us with the faith and confidence that God can work despite the odds. He absolutely can. And I, and I think one of the one of the things that I have been impressed by as I have encountered persecuted Christians is my neighbors don't need a theological discussion. They don't need me to intellectually convince them. They need to meet Jesus. <laughs> like Jesus is a real person. He's alive. They need to meet him. It, it, and so, and that is often the case, uh, the, the approach that is taken in hostile or restricted nations is not a it's like I say, it's not an intellectual discussion. It's not a, I'm going to debate you into accepting my position. It is, I know Jesus and you don't know him. I want you to know him. So how can I make that happen? How can I introduce you to him? And I think there's a lesson there for us as Americans who often think I have to convince my friend or I have to have all the answers to his sort of arguments. And it's like, you know, there is a place for apologetics, and there's absolutely a place for that sort of style of really presenting answers to different objections. But at the end of the day, this person needs to meet Jesus. And so that's something uh, that I like to say has has I've tried to incorporate from our persecuted brothers and sisters of, wait a minute, I need, I need to not think like a debater. I need to think like a social captain who's trying to introduce two people. How do I get my friend here to meet Jesus? Mm. We have heard now for you know several years that Iran has one of the fastest growing churches, despite persecution, despite all of the challenges, uh, that the church in Iran has actually been growing at a rapid pace. But uh, there's some uh, alarming news that's coming out of Iran now, because we've seen in the past there's been a lot of imprisons, uh, 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 pastors imprisoned, uh, but it seems that things are tightening up in that country. 
Yeah, this is this is a direct result of the recent presidential elections in Iran and the the taking a new president has taken office there. He is, uh, you know, I always whenever I say elections in Iran, I try to use air quotes around them because, you know, the the mullahs, the supreme leader and the Islamic leaders, they get to choose who the candidates are. So it's not like every person can run. It's not like you could vote for anybody you want to. It's like, okay, all of these candidates are approved by the mullahs because they're not going to change things too dramatically. Um, and so, but the, the, the person who just was elected and just put in place as the president of Iran is somebody who came out of the judiciary. Uh, he actually was known as, as the butcher of Tehran because he had sentenced so many people to death when he was a judge in the court system there. He actually was one of the key people involved in rewriting the law about Christians and about apostasy. Uh, and so this is not somebody who sort of heralded a new day of religious freedom in Iran. This is somebody who heralded, we're doubling down on everything we've been doing, and maybe we're going to even ratchet it up. And, and in fact, I just got an email yesterday from our contacts working in Iran. They say they're have been a significant increase in the number of arrests since this new president took office. So they are actively looking for churches. They're looking for illegal church gatherings. They're arresting the leaders uh, and they are putting as much pressure as they can to keep the church from growing. But as you said, it's the, it's the fastest growing church in the world everything they are doing is not working. And that may be part of why we see this sort of desperation come into places like, hey, you know, we arrested a few people and that didn't help. But what happens if we arrest a lot of people? How, you know, is that finally going to work? But the Iranian people, and this goes back to what we just talked about with the Taliban. Again, the Iranian government is Shia Muslims, but they say we are running our country according to Islamic principles. If if Muhammad would do it, that's what we're doing in Iran. They've been saying that for 40 plus years now, and Iran has one of the highest drug addiction rates in the world. Uh, literally tens of thousands of Iranians every single year move out of the country because they don't want to live there anymore. The people look at the corruption in the government and they say, wait a minute, if this is what 42 years of doing it the Islamic way has brought us, maybe we should try a different way. Maybe we should try something else. And so there is an openness and a hunger for the gospel, no matter what the government tries to do to keep the church from growing. The Iranian people are open and hungry and desperate for truth, for something real that, that actually changes hearts and lives. Uh, and so the gospel continues to spread in spite of more arrests, in spite of you know people being put on trial, in spite of even torture in the prison system, the gospel continues to grow inside Iran. It's a very valuable lesson, I think, even for Western believers, because it seems that pressures are rising against Christianity and our faith, even here out in the West. And as we look at the Middle East and we see that the church is thriving and growing, and as the persecutions increase, uh, people's faith is increasing. And the world is posturing a message of doom and gloom, but we have a message of hope. We have a message of light. And especially Western, Western Christians, uh, we can learn a valuable lesson, I think, from our brothers and sisters in the Middle East and, and other countries that are facing serious persecution of what true Christianity and devotion to Christ actually looks like. 
and we need that lesson. You know, the, one of the challenges is how God works in the midst of persecution. And and I'm guilty of this too. Our, often uh, when suffering comes, we want the quickest possible way out of the suffering. <laughs> you, you know, it's not like we don't typically pray, Lord, what are you trying to teach me in this suffering? Or Lord, who are you putting me here so I can bless in the midst of my suffering? We typically pray, Lord, stop the suffering. You know, heal me, get me out of here, bring bring freedom, do, you know, get me out of here. And our brothers and sisters don't expect to get out of suffering. In fact, they expect more suffering. And I think maybe that helps them see more clearly in the midst of it to say, Lord, what do you want to teach me? Who do you want me to talk to while I'm here? How do you want me to reach out in the midst of this this place that I didn't want to be, that I would not have chosen? And I think, like you say, it's such an important lesson for us, as we see in the West, Christian teaching and Christian ideas having less sway in the culture and being more countercultural. Um, we need to understand that there there's a path of suffering that that we may have to go to through as Western Christians. And we need to prepare ourselves for that and prepare sort of not just to survive and kind of hunker down and get through it, but to prepare to see God move in the midst of that. Mm. Another very valuable lesson is uh, that uh, those suffering in chains around the world, their desire is for prayer. Their desire is to share their faith, to grow in their faith, conformity to Christ, but also uh, they just want the Word of God. And you have a great program, uh, the Bible Project, that's helping get the Word of God. Americans do not understand how important and valuable this is because we have access to around-the-clock Christian radio, the Internet with so many great resources, uh, multiple Bibles in probably every Christian home. But this is something that we don't realize other Christians crave around the world who don't have the access that we have. This is one of the most important things that VOM does is getting the Bible into the hands of believers around the world. And and not the believers don't just sort of hoard them for themselves. They also use them as, as tools and as outreach. And uh, one of the stories we just got from the Middle East is one of our contacts there gave one of the ways we distribute Bibles is digitally. Because there's a lot of places, especially Islamic countries, where it's a lot safer uh, to have a phone than it is to have a paper Bible. And so if you give someone a memory card or an SD card with the Bible on it, it can go right into their phone. They can carry it around and nobody's nobody's the wiser. Nobody knows anything. Nobody, There's no problem for them. Well, some of our contacts in the Middle East gave one of these chips to a soldier and uh, the soldier didn't want to get in trouble, so he gave the chip to his general and said, "Hey, sir, you know somebody gave this to me. Is it okay? Oh, you know what's?" And so the general said, "Well, you know, I better listen to this." And so there was an audio Bible on that chip, and he began to listen to the scriptures read out loud in, in an audio Bible. And the general said that he felt peace when that when that audio was playing. He felt peace. And so he went back to the soldier and said, hey, could you talk to those people who gave this to you? I would like a thousand of these because I want all of my men to have this. I want them to feel this peace that I feel when I listen to this. And so uh, that one memory stick that that went to one soldier is now a thousand chips going to a thousand soldiers, uh, all because this general said, hey, 
I don't know. I don't know exactly what that is, but I know I feel something different when I listen to it. I want all of my men to have that feeling. So a great story of how God is moving in the Middle East and how these Bibles are spreading. It's a great story, especially for us Westerners, to realize just the value of listening to the Word of God. You know, as a pastor, uh, I, when we're reading the Word of God on a Sunday morning, we're putting people to sleep sometimes. That's a different kind of piece. But uh, to be reminded just of how valuable it is to have the Word of God and to see that, that message spreading. You know, I can't thank you enough for what you do with Voice of the Martyrs, but also uh, what, uh, what, what is happening around the world and relaying those stories back to us reminding us just how valuable, how rich we truly are in spiritual things. Uh, We could learn a lot from our brothers and sisters, especially about the strength of their faith. We can learn a lot from them and be be inspired by them and and just be reminded that God can work in every circumstance. So, you know, whatever, whatever circumstance you're in today as you listen to this broadcast, God can use you in that circumstance. God can strengthen you. He can train you up. Uh, And I think that's one of the great reminders from our stories of people who are going through really intense suffering and persecution, and yet finding that God is faithful even in the midst of that. We've been talking with Todd Nettleton from Voice of the Martyrs. If you'd like to find out more information about their International Day of Prayer coming up here on November 7th and all throughout the month of November, you can head over to their website at persecution.com and you'll find out there's more information, more downloads, more bulletin inserts, videos, and all those sort of things that will help you as a resource to Pray for the persecuted church around the world. Of course, you can always contact us. Our number is 508-362-7070 or look us up on our website at songtime.com.